You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, fourth message in our atonement series, which is such an important doctrinal and theological series as well. My wife and I, my wife Jill and I were talking this week and just reflecting on the series, and she's like, this is such an important series. I said, tell me about that a little bit. She says, well, often as believers, we, we, we say, well, Jesus died for me. And we say these phrases, but it's amazing how many believers can't really um, articulate biblically what that means. Like, what does it mean that Jesus died for us? Can we explain that in depth? What happened in the atonement? What is the atonement? What happened in the atonement? What actually took place when Jesus shed his blood on our behalf? And that's, that's again, that's the reason we're in this series right now. So we can answer, that we can biblically articulate, and our own heart gets so impacted by that as well, is what it means as Jesus died for us. In order to make sure we know what it means too, we're going to do a pop quiz right now. Okay, so I'm going to bore the sheet from you right here, brother. Thank you so much. So on the back of your program, you will see there's a four aspects of the atonement, and this is a pop quiz. There's a fill in the blanks right there. I'm encouraging you right now. I'm dead serious. You're looking at me like, really? I'm like, yeah, 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 don't do it. This is a fill in the blanks. This is our series outline. If you've been attending here for the four weeks, this should hopefully not be uh, too difficult. But go take some time right now and fill in those blanks. So we deserve to die. And the first element of the atonement that we understand, and you'll fill, I'm not going to give it to you right now, all right? But you'll be able to see that there. We were separated from God and the biblical definition or term to describe what happens when Jesus brings us back to God is... Give you a hint, starts with an R. And then you see number three there. And then uh, n- number four uh, as well. Thank you so much. Number four, um, I'll give you a hint. The answer to that is already on your program. So you should be able to get that one. So if you're here for the first time and you're like, what's happening right now? You get lots of grace. If you've been here through the whole series, you get less grace. Ha 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 ha. Try it, try it. See, see if you can fill that out. And if you can't do it, then that's a great sign again that let's not waste the time we're in. Let's not waste this opportunity. A couple more moments. No cheating. <laughs> Thanks for trying. Appreciate it. Some of you are still looking at me like I have two heads. That's all right. All right, let's take it up. Let's take it up. All right, here we go. Here's our series outline, okay? Number one, we deserve to die. Jesus became our... Jesus became our sacrifice, yes, right? We are separated from God, so what Jesus does, again, the biblical term is, he became our reconciliation. Let's go 1115, you can do it, all right? So this is a huge one. We deserve to bear God's wrath uh, last week, and so we understand this. Jesus became our I always want church to be able to say that. That's so good. That's one of those words, propitiation, okay? He became, he bore God's wrath in our place. He appeased God in his righteous, holy anger against sin. And lastly, here we are today, we are in bondage to sin. Jesus becomes our redemption, okay? So again, success in this series Success is know these four terms. Uh, I went to my kids just after last service, they were here, and I went in, I get a cake, hey, kids, here we go. We're going to be able to learn these things. We've got to know these things. You take these theological terms with you, and if you can explain them somewhat biblically, wow, you are, you are further ahead than most Christians who have ever lived. That's sad, but that's just true. That's just true. You are further ahead. So know it. Teach it. Multiply yourself in it. 
not just for information base. Take it and unpack it that you may understand. And when you're reading God's word, you'll see these things come up and you'll be so encouraged that you know what's happening to a greater degree. All right, so let's get after it then. Our fourth message, we were in bondage to sin. Jesus becomes our redemption. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We have one verse today mainly, but I'm going to read it in its uh, glorious context. I'm going to read a few verses. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Let's get there. So the Bible's open. Let's get ready. Lord, help us, teach us, change us. Ephesians 1 verse 3. This is such an incredible text. Ready? Here we go. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, underline, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Awesome. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Notice, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Fantastic. In him, here's our verse. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Notice, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Our main verse is verse 7. I want you to take a look at it. I want you to notice the first two words. The first two words of verse 7, it is the two words, in him. These are two very small words with a total containing five letters. These two words and five letters, though in him, which pertains to Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. Those two words. Summarize, for those who are saved in Christ, those who are alive in Jesus Christ right now, those two words summarize our entire existence, our purpose, and our entire future. The phrase that I just expressed is not a redundant form of a cliche. The phrase that I just said is true. For every person who's alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, those two words in him, in Christ, they summarize your entire purpose, your entire existence, and your entire future, again, as it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those two small words right there, in him, they, they summarize, they are speaking to our union in Christ. Our entire salvation and hope. Great name for a church, isn't it? By the way, this is really one of our last official weekends as Harvest Bible Chapel. And then next weekend and then the other weekend of that, we'll be transitioning to Whole Bible Church. That's pretty exciting. But in him here summarizes our entire salvation and our hope in Christ. In fact, the phrase in him, that phrase is used 11 times in some form in the first 14 verses of Ephesians uh, chapter 1. So that's a big deal. In fact, I want to go through, I want to load up the glory that is found in Ephesians 1 as it relates to in Christ alone or in him. Let's study the Bible together. I'm not sure you're ready for what's coming. When you get this, it's, man, it is exciting. So look at this. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, verse 1, verse 1 means that we are called saints. Saints. Verse 3, notice, in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. Notice in verse 4, we've been chosen before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, to be in Christ means we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. Verse 7 means in Christ we have redemption or forgiveness of our sins. 
In verse 9, in Christ means God has given us um, the wisdom of his will to know the mystery of his will in his Son. In verses 9 and 10, in Christ means we know the purpose of life and all of eternity. In verse 11, to be in Christ means we have an obtained an inheritance. We are co-heirs of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, in Christ means we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We have been given, we've been baptized into the Holy Spirit. We are temples of God's Spirit. Verse 14, in Christ, that means we have received the guarantee of His glory. That is all pertaining to what it means to have true union with Jesus Christ, to be in Christ. Let's recap that. Some of us didn't get that. We need to get it. Here's what it means to be in Christ. Again, our Redeemer. We are saints. We have every, not half, every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are redeemed and forgiven. We have God's wisdom within us to understand what life is truly about. We have obtained a full inheritance, again, because of Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and this means we are 100% guaranteed and secure of our glory that awaits us in Christ if we are saved in Jesus. So, you came in here, we've been preaching this for 15 years in some form. We'll preach it for 15 more. I pray. You come in here, you're in Christ. Here's what you just learned again right here. Today is another great day. Okay? So you have health issues, you have financial issues, you have relationship issues, you have real issues in your life. But when you come, oh, by the way, by the way, this list right here, let's see the Maple Leafs gives you that one. Let's see the Raptors produce this. Let's see the stock market come up with these kind of promises. Let's see your, your desire and dream to be accepted in a peer group and have friends who will like you in a certain way. And this is your, let's see your friends give you this. No one can give you this except one, Jesus Christ. This is what it means. Look at this list. Look at these promises. This is only found in him. This is only given in him. This will only be realized in him. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the only one who can, who can give us such amazing... Again, hold this list up to anything else in life, and which is more valuable? Mm, let me see. It's not even close, man. It's not even close. All of life is found in him. And again, I always wonder, man, who's here? The Lord knows that you've been searching for meaning and purpose in your life for all these years. Some of you, it's been 15 years. Some of you, it's been 30. Some of you, it's been 64 years. And you have been searching for the meaning of life. And you've just heard right now, the only way you'll ever truly find meaning is in him. The true one who saves you from sin and releases you to life and love and purpose. Not easier life, just so much better because you know why you live and who you belong to. You need a redeemer. And that takes us to where we're going right now for the rest of this message. Let's jump into this passage of the wonder. The wonder. Number one. Point number one is this. The wonder of my redemption. Oh, the wonder of redemption. Verse 7. Again, look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have redemption. Now, remember, all of Scripture is often referred to theologically as the story of redemption. This book is the story of redemption, or it's called redemptive history. Why is it called that? Why is that word redemption so key? Behind the word redeem, many of us will know this, some of us don't. We have to. Behind the word redeem is ultimately to buy back. 
when redemption is used in Scripture, it's most often at its most important root theological meaning. It's describing purchasing someone out of slavery, setting someone free from their condition of slavery. Why is that so important to us? Because every single one of us, before Christ, we are sinners. And because we are sinners, we are in bondage and we are enslaved to sin. We are in prison cells of sin and sin equals death, the Bible tells us over and over again. So what we need, what we can't do ourselves, we need someone to buy us out of slavery. We need someone to be our redeemer, to pay our ransom. We can't pay the price of perfection, which is demanded for our sins to be forgiven. We need a rescuer. We need a redeemer. Again, we need someone to pay our ransom. And that's where the biblical idea of ransom shows up so much. Uh, Mark 10, verse 35. Look what it says right here. Verse 45. Jesus, Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And what's the greatest way Jesus served us? He came to give his life as a ransom, as a ransom on the cross to purchase Again, purchase us out of sin to make payment as a ransom for many. The whole purpose of Jesus Christ's coming ultimately was to give his life as a ransom, to be our redeemer. So redemption then speaks of our sorry condition, our helplessness. And it also highlights the mind-blowing love and initiative of God towards us. I'm looking at it this way. Before Christ, in our sin, we're on death row. Every single person is just, we're, we're, we're on death row. We're, we're awaiting that. We can't save ourselves. We have no ability to do that. We must be rescued. We need a redeemer. So God, in his love, he sends his solution. I want you to see this too, okay? Just overwhelmed by God's love. The plan of God to send his son. In, in Ephesians 1 itself, the Father planned our redemption. It says that you have, if you're alive in Christ, you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. Just think about that for a second. It starts to hurt your head a little bit, okay? I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. So I've been chosen before I was born uh, in Christ. I was chosen before I was in my mother's womb. I was chosen before my mother was even born. I was chosen before the earth was formed. I was chosen before the foundation of the world. I was chosen before the universe was even, what? Like, whoa, whoa, that is, that is too much for my brain to try to register. And yet it's true. It's true, which means when God foresaw all this happening, God knew that humans would fall. God knew his son would be sent. God knew his son would die. The son willingly paid for our sin, becoming our redemption, giving us forgiveness of sins. And the spirit of God is the proof who applies this in our lives. The Spirit of God becomes our guarantee. He seals us. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have his fruit coming from our lives. We prove that we've gone from death to life. And by the way, time out for a second. Some of us are here right now and we have professed to know God and we have professed to be saved. I'm just, as you go through this understanding what it means to be alive in Jesus Christ, listen, if we've we've said that we know Christ but there's been, been no fruit from our lives, You have to understand, theologically, if you've really been saved in Christ, you've gone from death to life. 
you've been made a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, that's got to look like something different than what it was before. If, if we've just been kind of going through motions, and now I understand we have, we have bad seasons, you know, as believers, generally speaking, there's seasons like a bad month, it can be a bad year. I'm just really concerned we say we have a bad decade. Like, that's a long period of time to say there's really been no fruit. Like I just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to love you enough right now, and not, I'm not asking you, I'm asking you to examine where you are truly. There's got to be some people here right now, too, that I played the game for 22 years, man. I played it. I played it. And I had some kind of belief in God. I did not know God, though. I did not know Jesus. Could it be that you've been here, and you've been doing your thing for maybe a few decades, whatever it is, but there's never really been any fruit from your life? You have to stop and say, Why? Why? And could it be that you've never actually been filled with God's spirit? You've never actually been saved and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Because when that happens again, not all of life gets figured out, but things must look different and things start to change. When you know your Redeemer, when you know he set you free, man, wow. Like life just starts to look different. We must see the fruit from our lives again coming forth. Now notice this. Notice in verse 7. Notice the price for our redemption, right? We need a redeemer, but it came at a massive price. Notice, in him we have redemption through his, tell me, blood. Through, through his blood. So there it is again. What this reinforces, Jesus had to die. Why? Only his blood, only his life could pay for ours. His blood had to be shed. Um, each um, sermon in the series, I want to um, attach it to a song. And one of the songs I want you to see right here is Oh the Blood. Um, beautiful, modern uh, hymn type song. Oh the Blood. Look at how these words pop now in light of our atonement series. Oh the Blood, crimson love, price, price of life's demand. Shameful sin placed on him. The hope, great name for a church, of every man. Now ready? Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. Only the blood. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. The blood is my victory. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can give me victory over sin. Not works of man, not by some other religion, not by self-esteem. No, no, no. Only the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can save my life and truly give me victory. Victory. Gotta hear that today. That's why in him we have redemption through his blood. The wonder of redemption in Jesus Christ. And just so we have some time to kind of broaden our view of biblical redemption, I want to put um, four different verses up one at a time, and then I want to apply it as we go. This is the Bible. The New Testament speaks of redemption. First Peter 1 is the first one. Knowing that you were, notice, ransomed, Ransom from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. What this is saying here, if we're alive in Christ, we have been ransomed from a life of futility, a life of meaninglessness, a life of no eternal purpose. Notice, you've been ransomed not with money, not with your investment portfolio, not with your stocks or gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's the payment for us. That like a lamb without blemish or spot. So what's our application here? If this is true application then right here, application is you've been set free from utility. Live like it. Again, do we claim to be set free from, from, from death and now we have life? We've got to live like it. Why? Because we've been ransomed from futile ways. You can't say you're ransomed from futile ways and live in futility. Then something hasn't happened. 
We are called to live like the fact that we've been ransomed again from the futility of the world around us. Next verse, things Acts chapter 20. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now watch this. Let me learn here. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. God purchased the church for himself with the blood of his son. Jesus bought the church with his blood. Application right here. Application. Love the church that Jesus bought with his blood. All those alive in Christ right now. Here. Love the church. Serve the church. Give to the church. Use your gifts in the church. Have compassion on the church. Love the body of Christ. Jesus gave his blood. He purchased it with his blood. Gotta love the church. I love this next one, Revelation chapter 5. This is throne room heaven, glory, understanding again what eternity will look like. And they sang a new song. A new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain. And listen, this is the song they sing. And by your blood you ransom people for God. Again, from every tribe and language and people and nation. So again, what's our application right here? Application is this, ready? Redemption is our song. Sing like it. Sing like it. Are you redeemed? All of heaven, all of glory, it will be singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain, where you ransom people will be singing of our redemption. Let's get a head start. Let's get a head start. Let's, let's sing our voices. It drives me crazy, man, walking into a church. Oh, the blood is my victory. I'm like, what is happening right there? What is that? You obviously don't know what you just sang. You obviously, you're like, well, I worked the night shift. Okay, some grace there, right? But if every weekend you're coming in and there you are and you're just kind of like, oh, the blood, can't wait to watch some TV. Like this. I'm just like, no, no, man, no. There's a huge theological disconnect from what we're saying we believe and what's actually happening in our hearts. And by the way, before you feel too rebuked by me right now, I want to say, man, I love, I love the way this church sings. I mean, like, it's one of my favorite. I get to sit in the front row basically every week. And I, man, just like the volume of the voices of singing of your redemption. This service in particular, pretty sweet, man. Pretty awesome. The energy, the passion, the love, as it should be. Right again, 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 one of my biggest pet peeves are going to walk into a church and these wonderful songs of the gospel and they're just arms folded, bored out of their minds, just wanting to get out and have lunch. I'm like, no, you, no. Like, like, are you alive or not? Have you been saved or not? Is Jesus real or not? Is this song mean something or not? I mean, evidently, if we come in and we're bored to death with the gospel, Jesus isn't dead. And if he's not dead and we're bored to death, well, you do the math. There's a problem. But again, back to our church. Love you. <laughs> and I love the way you sing. As a Listen, it's a fruitfulness of the spirit within us. And pray for that. You say, I don't really have a good voice. Do you think the Lord cares about that? He loves any song, new song, rising up to him on such wonderful theology. Last verse, last verse. By the way, our musical worship team, they're so excited I'm saying this right now because they love just as much as I do when you guys sing as well. 
man. Have you noticed our worship recently? There are many songs they're singing. They take the earpiece out. They listen to you sing, and they just step back and let the voices of the people carry the song. Awesome. Awesome. That means I love you in sign language. <laughs> Amen, Mike. Amen. There you go, man. You're awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not rocking it out at a concert, all right? It's not what's happening. Okay, here's an awesome verse right here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, ready? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You ready? You are not your own. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, the price of his blood. So glorify God in your body. Context, context for 1 Corinthians 6, explicitly sexual sin. Verse 18 says flee from sexual immorality. So you're going to say, we're going to say that we're redeemed yet we're giving our body over to evil, sensual, sexual sin and lust? Holy Spirit's like, mm, you've been bought. You've been purchased with the, with the infinite value of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now glorify your God with your body. With your body. And who's that for? A lot of us. Feel the seriousness Feel the seriousness of saying you're redeemed. Feel the seriousness of being temples of the Holy Spirit. Feel it. It's good. It's very healthy. God, apply it to our lives and help us to see. Listen, the wonder of redemption. The wonder of redemption takes us to point number two. Oh, the freedom of forgiveness. The freedom of forgiveness. Look at verse seven again. Okay, watch the result of redemption, okay? So the result of redemption, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So notice intensely our context here. So redemption through the blood of Jesus leads to forgiveness of our sins. Uh, Some of you are here right now and you... You are being lied to by Satan. You are saved in Christ, and Satan says, man, you stink. You're not worthy. You suck. You're no good. You're, you're, you, you just give up. You're so hopeless. He's, he's got you in the ditch of despair, and he's just pounding you into oblivion. And right now, we apply the gospel again. And right now, we say, no, 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 no. Wait a second. No, time out, time out. I'm alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, I am redeemed. I have redemption. I have redemption through his blood. I've been washed every single sin, past, present, and future. My sins, I have forgiveness of trespasses. Therefore, here's what I know to be true. In the Lord Jesus Christ, man, there's no guilt in life and no fear in death. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I know I am absolutely forgiven and clean. My slate has been entirely wiped clean. I have been given a fresh start, and no one will ever take this from me. I am alive in Jesus Christ. I am adopted. I am saved by him, and I will be that way forever. Clap for that, man. Clap for that. Clap for that. It's good. It's good. Listen, right now, right now, wherever you are right now, you've been lied to, if you're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, you take that truth and you throw it in the face of the evil one and he will have to flee because he cannot stand the light and the truth of the gospel. And the truth is, again, in Christ, I am perfect standing. I am innocent. I am justified. The Father has taken his gavel. He has slammed it down on the judge's desk and he says, Robbie, you are innocent, not because of you, because of my son, in you and therefore when I declare you innocent you will never ever ever be condemned as guilty again because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus take that truth receive it and apply it you want to keep clapping keep clapping amen love a church that claps so much better than clapping for the Leafs 
so much better. No offense to the Leafs. I'm cheering for the Leafs too. And the Raptors. Cheering for them. But the gospel, it's so much better. You see that? And do you believe that today? Again, the, 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 the atonement. The atonement. You are 100% washed and cleansed and forgiven. No penalty. No condemnation. All because of what Christ has done. You know, before we were saved, we had the guillotine of death hanging over our, our heads. Because of our sin. That's amazing. You might know this about my story, but again, for 22 years, I lived my own life, man. Like, I believed in God. It's so strange. Like, I was raised in a God-fearing home. I believed in God, but I, like, but I didn't know him. And I, and I simply loved myself more. And so, therefore, I didn't follow him, and I didn't do anything about it. But it's so interesting, because I went through life, and I believed enough. At t- this didn't happen a lot. But at times, I believed Jesus would return. And I was afraid that if he shows up now, he's going to return. And I know I don't know him, so I'm dead. That's so strange. That's how wicked my heart was. That's how hard my heart was. Like, again, I, I didn't think about this a lot. Maybe like once a year, though, I'd be like, yeah, I really do this Jesus guy. I think he's real. And uh, he's going to return one day, and I'm dead. And yet, because my heart was so hard, and I love myself so much, I chose myself over it. And then by God's grace, when I was 22, man, he, he, he broke me. He bottomed me out in life. And he allowed me to see only, only in Christ alone is there self. Only in Christ alone will you find purpose. Only in Christ alone. And when that happens, then all of a sudden the guillotine is never removed. And the statement of innocence upon you, never to be the same again. And here we are together celebrating the forgiveness that is found in our Redeemer. You know, some, some churches teach that salvation is earned. And really, that, that's a false gospel. So every day what happens, if you think salvation is earned, every day you're trying to do enough to please God. Can you imagine walking around with the guilt of such teaching? Oh, I haven't done enough, I haven't done enough. I mean, I'll tell you, the pain of penance. The pain of penance. When is penance enough? When is enough penance enough? It's never enough because it, because it, it requires perfection. So let the word of God trump the false gospels of man. And the word of God says right now, it says, listen, Christ died for you every single sin. He did it. So you don't have to. So Christ is your redeemer that you may be forgiven of all sin once and for all. And every chain is broken. You are free to go in Christ. Again, another hymn that's meant so much. This is, this is and can it be. This beautiful verse. I think Charles Wesley wrote this, I think. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. It's so true, eh? It's a world right there. In prison cell of sin, Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. Anyone who's been alive in Jesus Christ in some form, this is your story. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. So good. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Everyone before Christ, you're in that prison cell of darkness. Christ comes in and goes wham with light. And you see the light. And your chains fall at the same time. And you throw the shackles to the ground. And you stand up. And you're renewed and revived. And you're reconciled to God. And you have a new creation. And you rise up and you walk with Christ. Because he's caused you to be free. And now you follow him. My redeemer, my redeemer, my redeemer who I serve and love. The heart of the gospel of those truly and sincerely forgiven. Man, the blessing of the gospel, the wonder of redemption, the freedom of forgiveness. And thirdly and finally this, the the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. 
Look at the end of verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, ready? According to the riches of his grace. And look at verse 8. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Wow. See that phrase in verse 7, according to? That's very important. So our redemption and forgiveness in Christ is according to what? The riches of his grace. That phrase according to is very important because it does not mean a portion of God's grace. According to the riches of God's grace means, but it's in proportionate, it's proportionate to God's grace. So do you think God has a little bit of grace or a lot of grace? Do you think God is stingy with grace or is he infinitely generous in grace? Do you think God is poor in grace or is he infinitely wealthy in grace? God is infinitely, infinitely wealthy in grace. Why is this so important to us? Because here's what it means. It means no sin is too great for the blood of Jesus Christ and his grace. No sin's too bad. Some of you are here right now. Satan's been lying again. Satan's like, man, you're so terrible. You'll never be forgiven. Those people got baptized, sure, but they're not as bad as you. Your sin, too awful. Can't be done. God's not that kind. Oh, yeah? You try holding up your sin in light of God's infinite love shed through his son in the cross by his grace. You, you hold up your sin, and I'm not diminishing the seriousness of your sin. I'm just saying you take your sin compared to God's grace, and your sin gets obliterated in a heartbeat. The power of the blood, the value of the blood, the wealth of God's grace when held to your sin and mine, your sin just, just, just gets evaporated, obliterated, paid for by Christ. On the cross. It's Passion Week, so you, you love the stories of Passion One of my favorite stories of Passion Week is the thief on the cross. Luke's gospel has such a beautiful account of it. And the thief on the cross, I've, always, I've said this before, but it's you know, kind of remarkable. The thief on the cross, if you're ever going to be crucified, right? The chance to be crucified beside the Savior of the world. It's kind of right place at the right time. In some very strange way. And there he is. And the one criminal's railing on Jesus' other side, railing against Jesus. And this guy has a moment of faith, a moment of whatever happens, his eyes are opened. And he looks over in the center, and he, 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 in the, uh, the text says he calls Jesus by name. He says, we deserve to die. Our sins are right. We have, we, we have sinned. The law says we should die. He looks over, and he says, Jesus, will you remember me today as you come into your kingdom? I mean, what? What a moment. And then Jesus standing there. They're, they're literally both being crucified. One unjustly, one, one justly. And Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. What happens to the sin of that criminal on a cross dying again according to the law of the day as he should? His sin in that moment is washed and obliterated by the love and the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ who happens to be dying beside him. Incredible, amazing, the love of Jesus Christ. And that offer still stands today because Jesus Christ has not yet returned. Jesus Christ, again, died for you, was raised from the dead, and he offers full forgiveness for all those who believe in him by faith even now. Listen, according to the riches of his grace. You know what many of us do? Many of us pour over earthly riches. We pour over our income statements, our investments. We study the stock market. We pour over our statements online. We look at our 
return rates. We measure our value. We're constantly looking at our net worth. We pour over all these earthly riches. We're really good at it, in fact. A lot of us are really good at that. We think about it all the time. Question, when's the last time you poured over the riches found in Jesus Christ? When's the last time you took the time? That's what I'm saying. Come to the walk across it this week. Use it as a way to discipline yourself, to enter into the, and you can, you can do the walk of the cross, and by the end, then you too can, you can declare all oh, the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace undeserved but set me free. The wonder of the gospel. You know that phrase, the riches of his grace, is used a couple of times in Ephesians. I want us to look at one. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 18. Ephesians 1 verse 18, look at this. Here's such a wonderful prayer for us right now. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is good. Look at that. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Like That's where that comes from, eh? that, that, that song. That's so good. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see. See what? See what? Notice. Look here. Look. See what? See to know what is the hope. Great name for a church. The hope to which he has called you. Notice. See what? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want, I want to see. I want to see the riches of your grace. I want to know the measurable greatness of your power. I want to have the eyes of my heart enlightened. I want to see. I want to see Christ. I want to see his grace. I want to see the riches that he has, that he's given to me, again, by his generosity and love. Oh, the riches of his grace. Indeed, Lord, open Open the eyes of my... You want to sing that, right? Well, you got to wait, okay? It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to close, you know, Jesus, um, the wonder of our redemption, the freedom of our forgiveness, the, the riches of his grace. There's a, there's a story told of a gentleman visiting a slave market who was deeply touched by the mental agony of a certain slave girl who had been delicately reared. He feared that she should fall into the hands of a rough master, someone who would treat her so harshly. So the gentleman inquired her price, found it out, paid it to the slave trader, and then took the bill and placed the bill of sale in her own hands, telling her that she was free and that she could now go home. The slave girl did not realize at first what had just happened, but then when she did, she came running after her redeemer and she cried out, he has redeemed me. He has redeemed me. Will you let me be your servant? Now think, how much more should we serve him who has redeemed us from sin and hell and death? He has redeemed me. He has redeemed me. Will you let me be your servant? That is the heart of the Christian life and why we give our lives to Jesus Christ because he is our redeemer. There's no one else who can do this for us. It's only in Christ alone, in him, in him, in Christ alone, no one else. That's where life is lived. So Holy Spirit of God, help us. Help us to see the value and run after you. Oh Lord, that I may be your servant with the life that you have redeemed again by your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's pray. Let's pray. I specifically uh, speak to those here today who have not been saved in Jesus. I pray you know who you are immediately. Like immediately the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. You can join me right now. You can pray this prayer. You can say, Jesus Christ, I understand I have sinned. I have sinned against you. But I also believe that you are the one to rescue me from my sin. You are my redeemer. You are the one to purchase me out of my slavery to sin. So therefore, Jesus, I turn from sin and by faith, not by earning it, not by working harder, but by faith in what you did for me, I ask you, save me. Make me new. Cause me to become a new creation that I might know the wonders of eternal life and I am fully secure in heavenly glory. You pray that prayer right now. You pray that with sincerity and you can know that you went from death to life, that you are now adopted as a son and daughter of God Almighty. Run to your Redeemer. No other religion, no other person, no other formula, no other works of the world. It's in Christ alone. And then you can sin, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. That is where life is meant to be lived. And I pray, Lord, I pray that many here today are choosing by faith in the midst of a dark world to know the light of Jesus. Their dungeon cell is infused with light, never to be the same again.